May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in, our sight, in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I joke, but Trinity Sunday is actually, right, like I've preached a lot on Trinity Sunday when I was a lay preacher before seminary, when I was a seminarian, when I was an associate, when I was on diocesan staff, all these times that rectors conveniently didn't want to preach. It's also the start, right? Like we're going to wear green a whole long time. It's the start of ordinary time. It's the summer, right? This is when rectors go out of town. A lot of times it starts after Pentecost, not just because the feasts are over, but because it's Trinity Sunday. So if I was smart, and if I was looking at the calendar, when Paula asked if Io could go with her so that St. Mary's could have a deacon, I would have said no, because Io has to preach, well, like I could ask one of y'all, right, come up here and preach. But it's okay, because I don't actually plan to explain the Trinity. Not that I could if I tried. Because uh, I'm not some fancy theologian. Hope y'all aren't surprised, right? Y'all are stuck with just a simple preacher. But even if I knew all the theology in the world, right? Like even if I knew all the books, even if I knew all of it, I don't think I could explain or even understand the Trinity. Because in my experience, whenever we speak of God, we usually say more than we could ever possibly actually know. A lot of it's just stuff that we think. And when we speak of God, the things we do say could never actually fully encompass all that is God. Because God is so beyond our understanding, beyond our reality. Right, like when I used to teach junior high Sunday school, when I would talk about the, we did this thing, right? This is before seminary, and I thought this was a good idea. I would have middle schoolers ask any question and we'll answer it. I know a lot better than to do that now. <laughs> and like one of the questions would always be, right? Like, what's the Trinity? We all have this question. I have a degree in this stuff, and I still have this question. Or anytime some kind of doctrine or dogma, right, like that we can't understand, like we can point to it, we can talk around it, but it's kind of like, so my dog, my dog's really, really smart, right? Like my dog knows a lot of things most of the time. But like if I tried to explain to my dog how a carburetor works, Right? Like, this isn't going to work. No matter how much dog stuff my dog knows, my dog will never understand mechanic stuff because it's a completely different type. It's a completely different thing. It's a completely different essence. And so I think that's kind of how we should approach the Trinity or these other doctrines and dogmas that are hard to understand, right? They're hard to understand because they're not of earthly things, right? There's no human being that's three and one and all of this. So we're not ever going to fully understand it, even if we're the smartest person in the room. Because we're trying to grasp at, we're trying to point at a reality that is so far beyond ourself. And certainly explanations and definitions and words can never fully explain it. Right, there's other things in our existence, there's other things in our lives that are like this. 
Like, if I, if I asked you to try to explain to me the love you have for someone else, you could give me, like, dates. You could give me, like, things. Give me, like, the time you first met someone or, or all these things. You could explain the details. But could you ever really explain the feeling in a way that I could feel it the way you feel it? No. Because it's so far beyond our ability to put into words. Or like if I explain to me a beautiful sunset, or like an oceanfront view, explain to me how it felt for you to be standing in front of something you found incredibly beautiful. You could, paint a, you could take a picture, right, and show me the picture, but that by definition is two-dimensional. You could use words to describe what you saw or even how you felt. But you can't really let me into like how your soul felt when you saw that thing. We even use that language, you had to be there. Like even if we can describe the details around something fully, you had to be there. Because our words, they fail when we try to explain or define things that really, really matter. And God is the same way. Because if we can't fully explain or define or even understand love or beauty, how could we ever hope to explain or understand or describe the creator of love, the creator of beauty? Jesus even hints at this, I think, in our gospel today when this is, he's wrapping things up with his disciples and he's preparing them for when he's no longer there. And one of the last things he says is, guys, there is so much I want to tell you. There's so much more. But I can't or I won't because you can't bear it. I don't think Jesus means it's just hard to understand. Like if we work really hard, we'll, we'll grasp it. I think what Jesus is getting there is it's unbearable for us to fully understand God because it's so much bigger. It's so much grander. It's so much lovelier, so much more beautiful than anything that we could ever seek to understand. We can't bear it. Because the fullness of God is too big, too expansive, too ever-growing for us to ever fully understand it. The psalmist today speaks to this. He says, When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have set in their courses, what is man that you should be mindful of him, the son of man that you should seek him out? The psalmist can't comprehend why the God of the universe would care about him. The psalmist is trying to name the unbearable. The God of the universe loves and forgives and cares about, even knows about us. It's unbelievable. And it seems unbearable. So let's do what, what the psalmist says to do. Consider the heavens, the work 
of your fingers. So let's consider the heavens, the moon, and the stars, the universe. They're too numerous to count. We get that in Scripture. Abraham is told that. Look at the heavens. You can't count the stars. So will your ancestors be. Let us consider it. One of y'all is going to be the smartest person in this room, and maybe you know a lot about astronomy and the stars and the sky, and maybe you know every last inch of the universe today. But if you walk in here tomorrow, you're not going to know every last inch of the universe because the universe is expanding all the time. Even if we knew everything about the universe today, tomorrow, we won't. You know, really smart people tell us that there's new universe being formed every second at the rate of 73.3 kilometers per second per megaparsec, to be exact. I don't know what that is. It sounds like a lot, <laughs> right? Someone here who's really smart did the math. Someone who was at 8 o'clock, I think they're also upstairs, DJ. Someone who did the math... <laughs> So, let me see if I can figure this out. A parsec is 3.26 light years. So the distance light travels in a year. That's a really long time, really long way. So a megaparsec is 3.26 light years times 1 million. And so DJ even did the math, God bless him. I'm not wearing my glasses. Six trillion miles. That's how much of the universe we won't know tomorrow. Consider the heavens. It's more than we could ever understand. So if the universe is unknowable, then the creator of the universe, the one whose hands created this, is certainly unknowable. So that makes me feel good, because we don't need to twist ourselves into knots trying to understand every detail of every doctrine and dogma. Right? These things are helpful for us to wrestle with. Sometimes it's fun to wrestle with these things. Because at their best, they point us to a truth bigger than ourselves. But at their worst, and too often it's at their worst, they become distractions or they become divisions. They become things we argue over rather than just standing in awe that God creates something that expands six trillion miles. And if God does that for the stars... What does that say about God's ever-expanding, ever-encompassing, ever-growing, never-failing love for us? God's love for us is immeasurable. You can't figure that out with parsecs, DJ. God's love for us is unbearable. The psalmist writes about this a lot, about the heavens, the glory, because if you think about it, these people who don't fully understand all the things, they don't have telescopes, they don't understand all this stuff, so they look at the heavens, and they see things moving, 
They maybe see new stars being formed. So they knew in their own way that the universe that God created is expanding. And so when they say consider the heavens, they know that it's really, really big. And they know that it's new and that it's moving. So the psalmist writes a lot using things that people can understand, like the heavens. I recently read an Instagram post from an Old Testament scholar, Chad Bird. I think we have it for the screens. He was talking about Psalm 103. This is another psalm in which the psalmist writes about earthly things that we can comprehend to try to get at God's love. Psalm 103, you've heard it. As far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. I love that verse. I've read that verse a bunch. It's always been um, encouraging to me. Because as far as the east is from the west, that seems like a long way. That seems really, really big. Maybe you've heard from the east is from the west, right? And you've seen a picture counterimposed with that of Jesus on the cross and his arms stretched out as far as the east is from the west. It's big. God's love is big. But what Chad gets at is that God's love isn't just big. He writes, 12,430 miles. That's how far it is from north to south, pole to pole. How far is it, though, from east to west? That distance can't be measured, for there is no east pole or west pole. The distance from east to west is incalculable, unmeasurable. Thus, as far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. The psalmist isn't just telling us that God's love and grace and forgiveness for us is big. The psalmist is, isn't just saying it's a lot. The psalmist is saying it's immeasurable. God's love is incalculable. God's love is unbearable. Amen.